As we listen to God's word this morning and reflect on what Jesus is revealing about himself this morning, we come to one of the most intimate and compassionate images of Jesus. He is the good shepherd. And he reveals here in his word, his love and his care for the sheep. He has committed his life to secure his sheep. And the focus in context of, of this text this morning is, is in, on Jesus. It's entirely upon Jesus, upon the fulfillment of his prophecy in Ezekiel 34, upon the gift of who he is and what he has come to do, that, that Jesus is the good shepherd. He wasn't like the leaders of his day. Remember in the context of of what Jesus was teaching, there were the leaders of his day, the Pharisees and others, who had kicked out the blind men who had experienced restoration by Jesus, kicked him out of the synagogue. If you testify about Jesus, that he is from God, you have no place amongst them. The leaders of his day were abusing their authority. Jesus wasn't like the leaders in Ezekiel's day who abused the sheep, who, who looked at the sheep as merely a, a means to their own ends, who, who used the sheep to clothe themselves, to fatten themselves, and misused the place that God had given to them. And how often, how often hasn't the church floundered, struggled, because the sheep are forgotten? As we reflect on that, as we listen to Jesus this morning, as we consider his word that he's given to us, how do we know, how do we know if we have such a misrepresentation of Jesus, how do we know that Jesus is different? How do we know, and that's what I'd like us to consider this morning, how do we know that Jesus is good? He's the good shepherd. There are times if you've talked with unbelievers, if you listen to them and, and interact with them, if they've had experiences with the church, some who, who don't go to church any longer, who are unbelievers, they, they've gone to church and they've walked away, and it's the people or it's the, the leaders who they throw up at you as, as an excuse as to why they aren't interested in the church. If Christians behave like that, if the leaders who are supposed to represent Christ behave like that, I don't want anything to do with that. And it's in those times that we have to recall and reflect on who Jesus is as the Good Shepherd. Yes, there are people who misuse their place. Yes, there are leaders who misuse their place. But Jesus is showing that, that the point that we need to focus on, the point that we need to see, is, is not to get caught up on, on people or leaders who, who misuse their place, who abuse others, but to focus upon him, what God has provided in Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd. And this is also a way to to interact with those who, yeah, but do you know Jesus? Jesus comes with a full realization of, of all the abuse that would take place, and he comes to show himself as the good shepherd. Now, as we unfold and unpack this teaching of Jesus, we, we look at these various texts, and Jesus says there's three things that we need to understand about his character as the good shepherd. What makes him good? 
Why is he such a good shepherd? Why is he the shepherd that surpasses everything else? And those three things are, first of all, his sacrifice, secondly, his knowledge, and thirdly, his authority. First of all, his sacrifice. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Of course, you recognize that in saying this, the implied image that Jesus is using is that his sheep are under attack that he knows their lives are threatened. It means that those who follow him are a prey for the wolves and that their life is at risk. And the hostility of the, the, the enemy's approach, a hired hand, he doesn't lay down his life for the sheep. The wolf snatches them and scatters them and they destroy them and they kill them, they hurt them, they abuse them. A wolf is a, is a vicious, bloodthirsty animal that, that won't be deterred from his prey very easily. Sometimes, what, what can a man do against a pack of wolves? And you can hear the reasoning, a hired hand. And you can, you can think, it, it fits, doesn't it? A, a hireling, he, he would run and flee. If, if I'm killed, because that's what a wolf will do, if I'm killed, then all the sheep are going to be fed. At least if I live, I might stand a chance of, of defending. So, so I'll run away, and when the sheep has, or when the, the wolf has had its belly full, then I'll come back. It all seems logical. Seems to make sense. If I survive, then I can help afterward clean up the mess. They have no concern for the sheep. They have no love for the sheep. But Jesus says, that's not me. My sacrifice is different. I lay down my life for the sheep, which indicates that their security, their safety in his sacrifice, that means that no matter what the threat may be, that when he lays down his life, he's going to overcome his enemies. So let's consider then the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice is different than the hirelings. It's different than anything else. It's, it's voluntary. I lay down my life for the sheep. He does it. We're going to consider this more in point three, so I don't want to go into depth on that. But it's also substitutionary. It's in the place of his sheep. In other words, He's going to allow the wolf to gorge himself on his sacrifice so that he'll no longer be hungry for the sheep. The word for four sheep there is really in the place of, on behalf of the sheep. And when Jesus uses that word, I lay down my life, it, it's not just his life, the, the original word is soul, it's his whole being, it's his whole existence. I'm, I'm laying it all on the line. He lays his whole being down on behalf of the sheep, in, in the place of the sheep. I'm offering myself there. You see, he's, he's predicting the effect of his death. He's going to overthrow the enemy. He's going to set the sheep free. And he's going to keep them secure through his sacrifice. Jesus says this is the precise fulfillment 
of what the Father has said right from the beginning. In the day you eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of evil, you shall surely die, and nothing can take that curse away from you except the substitute. Oh, the wonder of how God fulfills his word, that gospel that he preached to Adam and Eve in paradise. The seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to take the curse and he's going to destroy it. Or what he said to Abraham, that the seed of Abraham would be a blessing to the nations. And here it is coming to realization and the sacrifice. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life. I lay it down. I lay down my whole being on behalf of the sheep. Yet there's one more thing that we must see. That this shepherd, this shepherd, not only does he, he secure the sheep, he is the sacrifice, he is the Lamb of God who, who is like the sheep. God coming to man, taking to himself a human nature, and, and John has introduced them. John the Baptist has introduced us to him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And isn't that the wonder? That's what we read in Revelation 5. That's what we look forward to. This is what we long for. We long to see that there's someone who, who suffers in our place, who suffers just like we are, yet was without sin. We look forward to that day when we will see the lion of the tribe of Judah and we will see him sitting on the throne. But when we look at him, what do we see? This king who has all majesty and all power is the lamb who stands and has been slain. And we will sing with all the angel chorus and all the saints through all the ages, worthy is the lamb who was slain receive power and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. His sacrifice saves the sheep. His sacrifice secures the sheep. And Jesus says, be aware, I am good because of the sacrifice that I give on behalf of the sheep. That first of all, secondly, secondly, he says it again, I am the good shepherd. And we hear in, in, in these revelations of Jesus and his I am statements, he, he often repeats himself, and then he, he gives just a, a further revelation, a further unfolding of who he is. Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. And now here's another reason why he's good. It's because of his knowledge. I know my own, and my own know me. I know my own and my own know me. There's a, there's a wonderful, again, back and forth relationship. We've, we've heard about this with Jesus when he says, I am the bread of life, or he's the living bread. That, that God gives Jesus to us, but he also gives us to Jesus. And here's the wonder of this, this reciprocal relationship, this this beautiful covenant relationship. I know my own, and my own know me. This is the glory of salvation, isn't it? It's a tremendous thing. It's a magnificent thing to come to a realization of who Jesus is. What a blessing it is for our covenant children to be able to say, there hasn't been a day that I haven't known Jesus. There hasn't been a day that I haven't trusted Jesus, that I haven't looked to him for salvation. 
But for those who haven't grown up knowing Jesus, for those who, who've wandered, who've turned away, for those who, who've never realized the wonder of what it means to walk in fellowship, what a glorious thing it is to say, ah, oh, now I know who Jesus is. I know what he's done in my place. And that's one aspect of it. But here's another one. Not only do, is, it, is it a blessing, a glorious blessing to, to know Jesus, but it's a tremendous blessing, and here's his goodness, that Jesus knows me. He knows you. He knows your character. He knows your faults. He knows your failings. He knows your sins. He knows your guilt. He knows that you're an enemy without him. He knows that you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. If you haven't been born again, he knows your character just like he knows the character of the Pharisees. He know, knew what they would do with this blind man. He used it as a way to reveal who he was to us, to this man. He knows that without him, you are lost. You're under God's condemnation. Without him, you are under God's judgment. And the wonder is that even as he knows you, he lays down his life so that you may know him. The wonder is that he has known from all eternity that when man fell into sin, he would be the shepherd who would sacrifice himself to save sinners. His knowledge is what makes him good. Oh, it's wonderful that we may know him, but rest and glory and revel in the fact that he knows you. He knows that no leader in Israel could ever satisfy the call of God's law. He knows that, that leaders have this inclination. He knew in Ezekiel that, that they had scattered the sheep, that they had abused the sheep, that they had misused their office, and he comes in their place. So elders, deacons, pastors, it's a call for us. It's a call for us to show Christ but to know Christ. And the best thing we can do for the sheep is to let them know that they are known by Christ, that Christ knows them, and call them to a knowledge of him. And sheep, do you see again the goodness of, of this knowledge that that God hasn't withheld anything from you, that he again feeds you with the bread of life, that he again feeds you with his own flesh, that he again feeds you as the good shepherd. God hasn't been stingy in his provision for your soul, that he knows you intimately and exhaustively. He secures that in Jesus Christ. There is no other food for your soul that can satisfy you. There is no other revelation that you need than what God has given to you in his word. In this revelation of Jesus as the good shepherd, he shows us his intimate awareness. 
If I can offer a brief aside here as well, and, and again, I'm always struck in, in preaching God's Word how beautifully it all fits together. And what we've been looking at in the Canons of Dort, we've just concluded in the Canons of Dort, unconditional election, how God from eternity has chosen us in Christ. Ephesians 1, before the foundations of the world, God has chosen us in Him. In love, He has predestined us. Or Romans 8 and Romans 9. Romans 8 is the beautiful chain of salvation. Those whom He predestined, He called. Those whom He called, He justified. Those whom He justified, He glorified. Or Romans 9, that some vessels He's made for glory, others He's made for, for dishonor. God is the one who calls. And yet Jesus... We learn something here about interpreting God's word. Jesus is revealing to us the wonder of election without ever using the word. But when you understand what the scriptures teach about election from Ephesians 1 or from Romans 8 or from Romans 9, here it leaps off the page and you see the wonder. Not only is Christ the good shepherd who gives himself as a sacrifice, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life, so I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will, they will listen to my voice because this is the appointment, this is the designation, this is the election that God has secured from eternity. His own are the elect whom the Father has given to Jesus from eternity. And he says here, and his own know him. You see, we are not the frozen chosen. Election isn't a cold doctrinal toss of the coin. It's the intimate knowledge of the elect by Jesus, the good shepherd. And the knowledge of Jesus by the elect. That we know him. And we see what he's done for us. It's so intimate and, and so wonderful and so spectacular. Jesus compares it to the way the Father knows him and the Son knows the Father. From eternity, they live together in perfect, perpetual communion and fellowship. And that's what a sinner can have through the work of the Good Shepherd. And this is the key to understanding, I think, the doctrine of election. The wonder and the glory of God in election is that you know that wonder and you know that glory when you know Jesus. Election isn't about who's, who is saved and who isn't. It's about Jesus and what God has appointed for him to do. That Jesus is the focus of election. And if we lose that focus, we distort the doctrine, we distort the teaching, and we remove it from the personal God who chooses sinners to be his sheep. Oh, the wonder of his knowledge and the certainty of the election. God's election is his good character revealed in the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Oh, the blessing and the privilege of knowing Jesus. So his being good is about that knowledge. His being good is about his sacrifice. The third thing that Jesus reveals about his being the good shepherd is his authority. His authority with regard to his own life. And this comes in verse 18. No one takes it from me. 
This is the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus' sacrifice is voluntary. It's not only substitutionary, it's voluntary. He does this because he wants to. Because he wills to. Because this is his purpose. His purpose is to fulfill his Father's will. He does this because the Father wants him to do it. There's an intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. And this is what is being revealed. I have authority to take it up again. This is the charge that I have received. And the word for charge here is, is kind of the command that I've received from the Father. And it, it shows us again the character of God's law. God's law is good. Jesus, when he fulfills the Father's will, isn't a mercenary, just doing his duty for the sake of some greater advantage. He does it willingly because in and of itself it's good to do because it brings glory and honor and blessing and power to the Father. And that's what we too shall do when we see that Lamb who has been slain. We will say, He deserves all honor and power and glory and dominion forever and ever. It's this authority that Jesus has. It is this character of of Christ-like obedience. I lay it down and I take it up of my own accord because I want to do this, because I'm willing to do this, because this is pleasing to the Father. And it's that character that is shown in the sheep. It's a willingness, a willingness to lay down my life, to lay down your life, to sacrifice your well-being for others' need. Where do you learn that? You'll learn that from following, hearing, knowing, and understanding the sacrifice of the good shepherd. And it's this authority that Jesus has that gives us assurance. Because the same authority by which he gives his life for your salvation, the same authority by which he takes up his life and he's able to raise himself again, is the authority in which he preserves you in salvation. Listen to your good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. His authority. His authority is something to be cherished, something to be treasured, something to be valued, because no one, no one will be able to snatch you from his Father's hand. No one will be able to snatch you from his hand, because he and the Father are one. There will be attempts on your life. And it's not your position, it's not your privilege, which will preserve you from those attempts on your life. But it is by right of his authority. And what a contrast this is to the way authority functions in our world that so often 
that becomes a power struggle and a privilege struggle and a personal struggle, but not so with the Good Shepherd. My authority is to lay down my life willingly, voluntarily, for the well-being, for the safety, for the preservation of the sheep. And so Jesus reveals he is the good shepherd. He's the bread of life who feeds and nurtures to eternal life. He's the light of the world. He's the door and now the good shepherd. What do you do with this teaching? There is nothing more you need than to hear the voice of your good shepherd saying to you, I am the good shepherd. So what do you do with this teaching? Well, obviously, as sheep, we need to trust him. We need to know him. We need to follow him. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. We begin to bear that family resemblance. That is the path to show in life. So let my whole behavior my thoughts, my words, my actions be one ceaseless song to thee, not only because of the splendor of your creation, but because of the wonder of salvation in Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. So what do you do when you know the shepherd? Trust him, know him, and follow him, because that is the way to life. May God help us to live and to show that through our days.